You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. For much of the Masachet of Terumot, we've been dealing with not just with numbers and quantities, but with mixtures of truma and ordinary food, with mixtures of truma and chulim. Now, in chapter 9, we diverged a little bit into planting of truma, although we touched there as well on mixtures of different kind of plants in a field. And now, as we begin chapter 10, we're going to circle back into the question of mixtures, but we're going to create those mixtures by cooking. So on, until now, we've been th- maybe throwing a bunch of truma into ordinary food or throwing a bunch of ordinary food into truma, and we've been seeing what happens. Now we're going to cook with mixtures of truma and ordinary food. We're going to have a look at the results, and we're going to learn that the, that the crucial dividing line is the question of taste. That if we can share a taste, and certainly if we can share a good taste, that is like sharing truma. It's like pouring truma into ordinary food. And of course, that will make the whole pile of whatever we've cooked truma. And we're going to find that sharing a smell seems to be different. And getting a taste out of bad food seems to be treated by the Mishnah quite differently from putting a a good taste into food. In other words, sharing a taste is quite different from taking a taste out. So those are the kinds of issues which we're going to look at. We're going to, I hope we'll cover the first four Mishnayot of the 10th chapter. Well, let's see how we go. And let's just jump into the text and, and see what it looks like. So the Mishnah begins with an onion, which is placed into a pot of lentils. Classic, classic, tasty food, which is placed into a pot of food that doesn't really have much taste at all. But So we got the onion in a pot of lentils. Im shalem mutar. If the onion is whole, it's permitted. If if it's whole, it's permissible. But if it he cuts it, mm, if it gives flavour, and all other foods, whether whole or cut up, if if it gives or if they give flavour, and. The Mishnah is curiously vague, by the way, as to what kind of, which of these foods is truma and which is not. We're not quite certain. And the Rambam in his commentary, and Bartonur agrees, by the way, that we could be looking either way around. Maybe the onion is truma and the lentils are not. And maybe the um, lentils are trumma and the onion is not and which way the flavor is going around we're not quite we're, we're not quite sure the bartonura brings a comment which i I'd, I'd hope would be on the source sheet and i let me just find it so the bartonura actually articulates the principle and i i thought it was so important that i actually put it on the, on the source sheet so the bartonura says as follows he says the Kohen tastes the food because the Kohen can, is at liberty to eat either chulin or turum. So you get a Kohen to taste the food. And if the Kohen can taste that 
the the the, the flavors transmitted, then we're going to need to declare everything as Turuma. The whole dish is prohibited to foreigners, i.e. to non-Kohanim. And if you can't taste it, it's the Bartonor says it's all Chulin as it was, Kushahaya. I think what he means is anything that was Chulin remains Chulin, because clearly if the onion that we put in was a, originally a Truma onion, it's still a Truma onion. I, I'm assuming that's what the Bartonor means. But the principle he's articulated is that Everything depends on whether the taste is transmitted. And we're going to see this principle played out in the other Mishnayot in this chapter. So at the end of the first, in the end of the first, uh, at the end of the first Mishnah, we began by saying, whether it's whole or whether it's cut, it all depends on whether flavor is transmitted. And Rabbi Yudah is going to throw in a, a, another boundary case. Rabbi Yudah permits it in the case of mashed fish because it only takes away the flavor. It doesn't add in. And by the way, the halacha doesn't go according to Rabbi Yehuda. So I don't think we're, we're not following here, but it's the principle he articulates is a really interesting spin on the principle that the Bartonura began to, to teach us, which is that Rabbi Huda is saying, okay, I agree with you that giving flavor is like mixing truma and chulin, but taking away flavor, Rabbi Huda at any rate says is not. And along the same kind of principle, we're going to take an apple, we're going to grate it up, chop it up, and we're going to put it into dough and it's going to leaven it. Remember, this is a time when people did not have, um, you know, freeze-dried uh, freeze um, leavening, freeze-dried yeast that they could just throw it into dough to make it rise. And people would use all kinds of other things to make dough rise. And it's true that if you do put fruit, um, fruit juice or fruit stuff into dough, it will start to ferment. It will start to make it rise. And the Mishnah seems to take the view that this is this is transmitting an essential quality to the dough just as much as taste is. If it started to ferment, that's forbidden as well. The, the, this is clearly an apple of truma and it's it's um it, it, it is, it's impregnated the whole of the dough, not so much with taste, but with leavening. And just like in the first Mishnah, we're going to have um, a counterexample after the first example. We've got barley falling into a water system. It stinks up the water and the water is permissible because we've got a stink here from a deterioration of the barley. The barley is not making the water stink. Sorry, the barley is not making the water taste of barley. It's just making it's it, it's it's making it stink as it degrades. The Mishnah is then going to go and talk about aromas. Harode puts rode the rode means to take something out of the oven. Someone who takes warm bread from an oven and places it over an open barrel of truma wine. So the bread is basically sitting there and absorbing. Well, is it absorbing the flavor of the wine or is it absorbing the aroma of the wine? 
Rabbi Meir forbids and Rabbi Yehuda permits. And maybe what is at issue here is whether the bread is really absorbing taste or aroma. Or maybe what's at issue is whether aroma has, is aroma material? Does aroma count or does just taste count? Rabbi Yossi permits with wheat and forbids with barley because he says barley absorbs. So Rabbi Yossi seems to think that it's a question of physical absorption to do with the with the nature of the dough or the nature of the bread. And the halakha goes according to Rabbi Yossi. But the question as to whether, whether aroma is material in terms of transmitting taste for the purpose of truma is actually resolved in the fourth Mishnah of the chapter. And the Mishnah goes on to explain, Tanur Chamon. Chamon is cumin, by the way. Really interesting use of Mishnah word, which sounds clearly, you know, has the same etymology as an English word. An oven is heated with cumin of truma. So we're burning the cumin. Interesting question, which I can't answer today as to what, whether you're allowed to burn the cumin if it's truma. And then we're baking bread in the oven, which is heated with the burnt cumin. And the Mishnah is very clear. Hapat muteret. You can eat the bread. She'ain ta'am come on. There's no taste of cumin. Eila reach come on. There's only the smell of cumin. So perhaps there's a disagreement between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Huda as to whether the bread placed over the barrel of wine is absorbing, um, which is whether the aroma that it, it absorbs is really material or not. But the Mishnah seems to say at the end of um, Mishnah 4 that according to the Halakha, aroma is not material for taste. In other words, taste matters, but aroma does not matter. And that's a principle which I think we're going to probably follow up in the rest of the chapter. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.